Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Laura Benanti. Theater fans will know Benanti's work well ever since she turned heads as Maria in the 1998 Broadway revival of The Sound of Music. Since then, she starred in everything from Nine to Into the Woods to She Loves Me to Meteor Shower, won a Tony opposite Patti LuPone in Gypsy, and appeared in TV shows like Nashville and Supergirl. But she's always had one part that she's considered her dream role, and she's playing it now, starring as Eliza Doolittle in Lincoln Center Theater's hit revival of My Fair Lady. Hey, Laura. Hi. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, so, first of all, let's talk about what the role of Eliza Doolittle has meant to you sort of growing up and, like, why it was so important to you. Well, my both my parents were actors, mm-hmm. my mom and my dad, Marty. And then um, when I was really little, they got divorced. I'm fine. <laughs> and... Um, then my mom. In the, where was this? This was in the New York. This area, was in New or? York City. Yeah. So on, we lived on Fifty Fourth and Seventh. They were Broadway performers. Um, they did actually a couple shows together. Their last show they did together when they were married was Brigadoon, and oh. I have like a little tiny show jacket that says my name on it from when I was like two years old. Which is how old my daughter will be on Thursday. Is she wearing it right now? No. Okay. That would just be too fraught for me. That's like, I'll just like bring that into therapy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just her cool. wearing that little <laughs> jacket of my uh, right. my torn apart youth. Uh, just, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm totally fine. So my mom remarried my dad, Sal, who is a psychotherapist. Really, really good turn of events mm. for everyone involved. <laughs> and... Um, we lived in New Jersey. We moved out to New Jersey. So, uh, and then I was like among little kids who, before I had just been with grownups, really like Broadway grownups backstage. Right. So people just like you know dressed up in their costumes, like singing to me, and it was kind of magical. And then I was like in a very rural part of New Jersey where no one even knew what a musical was, and it, I wanted to. It was not great. Yeah. Um. So my mom used to play me records. She played me. She loves me and. Um, My Fair Lady and Annie and, you know, Julie Andrews and just all of the, all of the shows. Right, right. And in particular, Julie Andrews was my favorite, like hands down, Um, which now is also my daughter's favorite. And she actually whispers her name when you're like, who's that? And she's like, Julie Andrews. (laughs) 
with just the tiniest bit of a British accent too, which Aww. I'm so proud of. Um, I want her to be as affected as possible. Yeah, growing up. Um, so yeah, so when I was like four or five years old, my mom would read me like the insert of the album, and mm. we would listen to My Fair Lady. And I just always growing up, I was like, this is my dream part. I mean, if you look back at any interview from the time I started when I was 18 till now, oh yeah, it's this like is, they're like, what's your dream role? I'm like, it's like My not. Fair a, Lady. This is like not a secret that you were revealing no. at last, right? No, like, no, 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 no. Is, and yeah. like any time I was able to host anything it was always just a shameless plug to be like and I'd also like to play <laughs> I'd like to do a little um, so you know when the revival came around yeah. I had just had my daughter right. and they were seeing people and they were having people audition and you know they sent me the material which was like 45 pages worth of material oh, where I was gosh. like buy a ticket yeah. um, and I was like I can't even get it together to do the audition I'm not I right. can't do it and I genuinely made peace with it I was going to say how hard was that because I, I must I have cried been, yeah. I for sure cried where sure. I was like gosh two dreams you know, these are two dreams I've, al- I've always wanted to be a mom truly mm-hmm. yeah. and I've always wanted to play this part but priorities one sure, is you know yeah. here yeah. I have this like remarkable little person and and I was actually saying this the other day to my to my friend that it really is a lesson in like true like radical acceptance mm-hmm in that I genuinely had to make peace with it. It wasn't like lip service where I was like, I'm fine. No, she's going to be great. It wasn't that sort of terse, um, really actually wanting it to fail. Like I had made peace with it. I wanted it to, to do well. I was admiring it from afar and just genuinely living my life and doing meteor shower and right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some really cool things. Yeah. Yeah. But so when it came back around, it was just like, it was, so exciting to and, me. Well, so let's talk about. Well, first of all, you saw the you saw the original cast. And I did. What did you think? Was that I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. You know, I thought it was beautiful. I was so um, Lauren is such a permeable performer. You yeah. know, you can really sort of. This is Lauren Ambrose. Lauren Ambrose. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She. She. Um, she was just brilliant. You know, I thought she was her her performance was so raw and touching, and. Um, so vulnerable. As an actor, are you a person? Are you as an actor? Are you yeah. the kind of actor who watches other people play roles you'd like to play and think about how you'd do it differently, or how how hard is it to get lost? I guess in someone else's performance of something um, that you have done or want that's to. That's a really or? really great. That's a really great question. <laughs> Thanks. That's a really really great question. <laughs> I think it's probably impossible because I'm a human being to not have some sense of like. This is, you know, getting... I got lost in it for sure. I definitely got lost in the story, especially in this newfound version of it. Yeah. But also I should say that I was watching it with the eyes on the idea that I was going to play the part. I They had offered it to me at that point. Oh, okay. So, so you hadn't seen it before that. I hadn't okay, seen it before. Because I was right. honestly... It was going to be a little too sad for me. Yeah. I think if I had gone to see it, I don't think I would have been truly able to just like sit back and enjoy it. Right. Um, <clears throat> Like, I'm going to be able to go... Like, I would love to... I can't wait to see Kelly O'Hara and Kiss Me Kate. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's not a part I've ever been like, I want to play that part. Right. right. And she... I'm such a fan of hers. I think she's so remarkable that I'm, like, literally counting the days where I'm like, I can't wait to see her yeah. do that. Um, <clears throat> but something like your dream part, I think it would just it's be tough. a little bit hard yeah, to just yeah. sit there and be like, I'm just watching the, a story. Yeah. You know, yeah. and instead of thinking... I wish I was doing it. Not I wish this other person wasn't doing it, right. but I wish I could also do it. Right, yeah. And so, so when it came 
Were you surprised by the call, I guess? I was shocked. Yeah. I was really, really shocked. And it's funny because Bart called and he was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, are you asking me to audition? This is Bart Lachaud, the uh, director. Yes. Yep. Ew, I'm that person who's like, and then. No, that's cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, gross. But <laughs> when he, I was like, are you asking me to audition? And he, he was like, no, I'm just offering it to you. So that was nice, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I was watching it, I was able to be swept away by the story because I knew I was going to have an opportunity to take it on. Right. And what's your sense then of how your Eliza ended up being different from Lauren's Eliza? I think that my tendency is to approach things through the lens of a sense of humor. Mm. That's how I cope with things. And so for someone like Eliza, like the way my my take on how she um, it was able to get through a life basically on the streets right. um, from the time she was a young girl. And look, I'm not 20, you know, which is normally the age of the person playing this role. I'm right. 39. Right. So for me, I had to wrap my brain around she's been living this life for quite some time. And I think the only way one could possibly do that without just turning into dust or losing all hope is through a sense of humor. And I think that there's some genuinely really, really funny things in this show. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's probably the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. Um, She, Lauren has such a beautifully like vulnerable quality to Mm -hmm. her. That's sort of guileless. Whereas I think for me, um, when I try to do that, it feels a little false. Mm. Um, I'm, I tend to have an air of like capability about me. So I feel like my Eliza probably from the get go is a little more, um, just self-aware, you know, and a little more ambitious, not a person who something is happening to them. It's like, she's making it happen. And that's definitely in there, uh, which is a thing that I was reminded of when I saw the, you know, the, when this revival came around again, is that, that, how sort of active she is in her She has tremendous agency. Yeah, you know, right. he's the one who says, you know, I can make you into a duchess. And she memorizes his address and shows up and right. says, great, do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And so what, now that you've lived with this role for as yeah. long as you have and you're performing it and you're obviously enjoying it because you're going to yes. do it for uh, several months longer. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what have you, what surprised you about the part and about the It's so musical? hard. <laughs> it's so hard. What, what about Just it? physically. Like, mm. well, also some of this is Bart's fault. And if you're listening, sure. Bart. I actually believe Lauren was on the podcast and she talked about like running up and down some stairs yes, all over the place. while you sing, I could have danced all night. Yeah, that's rough. He's like, oh, what can we do to make this harder? Yeah. How about you go <laughs> up and down a flight of like a circular staircase? Yep, yep. It's a whole lot of stairs. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just to do it, you know, seven times a week is what I'm doing, which is right. such a blessing. But to do it seven times a week and in particular to have a toddler yeah. while I do it is really, really challenging. It is, it requires, it, it's it's the most demanding part I think I'll probably play. Yeah. Just vocally mm-hmm. and in, it's like a play and an operetta just vocally. Right. But also you're belting, right. you know, in the beginning when you're the Cockney mm-hmm. flower girl, it's a lot more um, like in your mask and a lot more guttural. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when you become proper, it's like she's a soprano now. Right. Um, so you <laughs> right. have to have all parts of your voice has to be really seamless. Right. And then you have your two hardest scenes toward the end of the, the this three hour play. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's really, 
it requires a tremendous amount of um, energy. Yeah. What do you do to maintain that as a, you know, drink a lot uh, of tea or, you know, yeah, sleep Yeah, I don't a lot. know. Yeah. I, no, I, I, um, I meditate. Mm. Uh, I have a woman named Marcia Polis mm. um, who, like, keeps my body mm-hmm. working. Um, yeah, that's something, as I understand it, there's a, that uh, a lot of performers have. They, they go to someone who helps them sort of check in with themselves. Yes, and, for sure. Yeah. Especially because I'm, like, carrying a person all the time yeah, who's yeah. like very tall but is also like up yeah. um, and then when I pick her up it's just like cool like she doesn't like hold on at all <laughs> she's just like arms out right. um, and then also I have like three different voice teachers mm-hmm. I have Liz Kaplan who I work with <laughs> yep. Tessa Lang and then my mom right. so because I get different things from all of them right. and uh, so I have like and my angel of a husband who wakes up every morning except for Monday with our daughter and every night he puts her to bed except for Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, which are my nights off. Right. So I, I could not be doing this without him. If, if it were not for him, this would be impossible. Right. Yeah. How do you find – how did you find the accent? Is the accent hard? Is the – like, what – does that come easily to you? What was that, what was um, that process? Liz Smith was our dialect coach. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from Juilliard. Mm-hmm. And she scared me. <laughs> She's a very scary person. And she was like, no, that's terrible. And then I kept working on it. I still do the exercises every day. Um, but now it's become it's become just a, more of a part of me. The, the first few days I was like, huh, I sound Jamaican. So that's cool. Um, the, the proper I always had down because growing up in New Jersey, being obsessed with musical theater, I kind of had a slight British accent because everything I loved was like from the yep. 40s and 50s and I loved Julie Andrews. Right. If you watch old like interviews of me when I'm 18, I legitimately sound like an English person. <laughs> like I went to an audition one time and they were like, where are you from? And I was like, New Jersey. And they were like, you sound British. And I was like, no. It was just, and yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> um, I dropped that. Yeah, no, well done. Well done. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and s- the My Fair Lady deals pretty explicitly explicitly with these like themes of sort of gender and power dynamics, and they sit really class. interestingly yeah. in class, right? That sit, uh, I mean, as they sort of do in any time, but in particular in this time, mm-hmm. they sort of resonate uh, in, in you know interesting in new ways. Uh, what's your take on sort of how the show lands now for people? Well, I think you know we are a more socioeconomically divided culture than ever. Mm. You know. Um, and I think that's something that the 99% of us who do not hold the majority of the world's wealth feel. Right. And um, I think the idea that someone can change the trajectory of their life through the way that they present themselves is interesting. I think, you know, it's different in that she was a woman, which, you know, wasn't great for her. But at least she was white. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, right. now yeah. I, I think so much about privilege. I think about it constantly right. and how unaware I have been of my own white privilege. Right. And um, so that's something that I really think about in terms of this show now. Um, and what I really appreciate about Bart in terms of his casting, um, you know, Christian Dante White is African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joanna is African American. Yeah, he plays Freddie. Yes, and, yes, he um, plays Freddie. He uh, Broadway folks might have seen him in Hello Dolly. He yes, was in, uh, he was Gavin's he played, Undercity, yeah, Gavin exactly. Creel. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I think it's important that you see people of color in our show. And it also, I think, gets you thinking more about that right. um, issue, which is large and looming right now in, in our culture. Yeah. What's it like to... How much freedom do you have? did you have to create your own character when you were stepping into this kind of you know, machine that, that mm-hmm. is going with all these other people, some of whom are new and some of whom were not? A tremendous amount. I mean, that yeah. was something that Bart and I talked about where I was like, I, we could not be more different, Lauren and I. Um, I. I mean that with the utmost respect. Like, she does things I wouldn't, I'm not capable of doing. Right. Like, her take on it is something that I could try, but it would be like an ill-fitting outfit. And on her, it was like absolutely stunningly glorious. Um, I have so much admiration for her. It's it's weird to talk about. It's hard to talk about the differences between our performance without worrying that I'm going to sound like I'm comparing mine favorably to hers, right. which is um, not how I feel at all. I'm just I've always been a great admirer of her. Um, but yeah, they they gave me a tremendous amount of freedom, and um, and Bart said that from the beginning. He was like, you know, you can only be yourself, and I'm asking you because I think audiences would like to see your take on it as well. Um, <clears throat> How much time did you have to figure it out? I had very little time. Yeah. And I didn't have Bart a lot because he was doing To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. So it was myself and our incredible stage manager, Jen Ray Moore, right. and then the assistant director at the time, Maggie Burroughs. Mm. So we did it together, you know, and I had not even met um, Harry Haddon Payton oh, until okay. the night we went on together. Oh, is that true? Yes, he was <laughs> off shooting the Downton Abbey movie. We met oh, one time for right. 15 minutes in his dressing room. And then the very first, so we never rehearsed together except for the day I went into the show. <laughs> it was bananas. Is that, are you, is that like easy for you? No. Or is that totally nerve wracking? No, is it as nerve wracking as it sounds? Yes, I mean, it really, okay. It's yeah. totally, no, look, it, it made for some really interesting listening and really interesting theater. And I asked them, yeah. I was like, can you all please make an announcement to the audience that we've never even met each other mm-hmm. so that if it's like a, just a big trash fire that they're like, well, there's why, you know? <laughs> um, and it actually turned out, he's such a remarkable actor. Yeah. I mean, he is a tremendous talent and I love being on stage with him you know the first couple of weeks it was really exciting and then I think we did get to a point where where it was a little challenging that we had not been in a rehearsal room together we had not really spoken about our take on the play and our take on the characters and we only knew each other as our characters we never had any time to like know each other as humans so there were a few weeks there that were like I think a little bumpy Mm. um as we were trying to like navigate this on-stage relationship without ever having had the proper rehearsal time, right. um, now it's in I feel like a really good space where is that something you just got through uh, through sort of performances? Did you talk about it? We sort talked of about after, it. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it, and Bart came in and mm-hmm. and and he worked with us, and so we were able to have like. You know, certainly not the six or seven weeks that you normally get with someone, but we had a few hours at least. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, we got through that weird um, time of being re-reviewed, you know, where Mm. there's tension for not tension between people, but just tension in the air of like what's going to happen. And so now it's in like a really fun spot where I I feel like we're just playing, which is such a great way to be able to live your life and make a living <laughs> yeah did you was there any hesitation in extending it like is it just full-on fun and you so what? my only hesitation is my child yeah. you know it's it's hard for me not to be able to put her to bed every single night yeah. but you know that's the working parents plight right. um and i get to see my daughter a lot more than 
than a lot of working parents, right. you know, who work, leave their house at 8.30 and don't get home till 7. There are days where I see her all day long. Right. And from Sunday night to Wednesday morning, I am utterly devoted to her. And, you know, I'm always utterly devoted to her, but I spend every waking second with her. Yeah, great. <laughs> right. um, and what's your favorite song to sing? Ooh. Um, I could have danced all night. Yeah. I've been singing it since I was four. Yeah. You know, I, the first few times I, I couldn't get through it cause I was crying. Hmm. Yeah. That like my first performance, I could, I cried the whole way cause I was just out of gratitude and I'm not like right. a tears of gratitude sort of a person, <laughs> but I am now. So you were then. Yeah. Yeah. I am now yeah. since I, I'm, I, since I had Ella, I've definitely become more of like a hashtag blessed right. type of a <laughs> right. lady. What song is the hardest to sing? They're all wickedly hard. Mm. Let me tell you, they sit in the break for me. You know, there's okay. just you wait. Is what hard. does that mean for people who don't know singing so terms? You, so for me, mm. I'll just speak for my yeah. own voice. Um, as a soprano, there is a moment in my voice where I segue from like my chest voice belting into a head voice singing. And that's like in your mask and your, it's called your passaggio. Yep. And you have to really negotiate those notes in there. Which is fine. It's just really hard when like three of the songs basically live on those three notes the entire time. Right. And you're crying. And you're yelling. <laughs> yeah, right. And you're acting. And, and you're doing acting. all that stuff. Yeah. Right. So right. Um, like Show Me is really, really hard. Uh-huh. Um, and Without You is really hard. I find those songs to be, to be the most challenging. But the good news is um, they are so driven by um, action mm. that I have now, now that I've really worked them into my my voice I feel much more comfortable with them and I just let it go and whatever comes out comes out what did you find hardest in terms of the acting side of it and in terms of the figuring out sort of who Eliza was for you um well my whole life I had sort of an idea of who she was and 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 why she is suddenly able to say the rain in Spain after scenes and scenes of not being able to mm-hmm. why in a in a heartbeat she's able to switch into it and so for me the way i've approached it is that she is looking to better herself for sure but she is also simply looking for someone for people to be kind to her mm-hmm. you know she grew up clearly in a household with no mother and a drunken father who is hilarious played by Danny Burstein played by uh, Danny with Burstein you. yes uh, and he, delightful. he yeah. is absolutely delightful and Norbert Leo Butts before him right um, and Danny brings to it like a he's scary sometimes mm. you know which is uh, helpful in a way because you are able to see um, the life that she came from why she has had to be so tough you know I for me, it didn't feel organic to have her be sort of like um, like overly vulnerable in the beginning because I don't think she would have lasted, right. you know? So my take on her is that she is able to sort of parrot back the way people talk to her. It's, it's all aural. Um, but only if they are kind to her. Right. You know, so for me, the idea that she's just not getting it, she's just not getting it, is because Higgins is presenting it in such a way that is unkind. Mm. You know, he's mocking her, he is, um, you know, treating her in a way that keeps her defenses up. Right. So when they, he has that beautiful moment where he basically says, like, you can do this, you will do this, 
and he is for the first time gentle and and dare I say loving she's able to assimilate everything that he's been teaching her all along so for me and and then it was also important to me that the audience see that she's continuing to work between the rain in Spain and the ball that you know I could have danced all night and the ask it scene she's still a person in process you know otherwise to me it's a little too musical theater magical so that's something I really focused on yeah let's talk about some of the other stuff you're doing um how often do you dress up as Melania Trump and go on Colbert? Just when they call? Whenever or? they call or okay, if yeah. I pitch something to them. Sometimes okay, yeah. Does that happen? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, did you see this? I have a funny idea. Yeah, and then other cool. times they're like, are you around on Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> you right, know? Right. Um, I, that tends to happen more. Sometimes I, even at this point, I've been working with them for so long and I feel so comfortable with them. Mm. But even at this point, I feel weird being like, hey, I have a pitch, right. <laughs> you know, even though they're so welcoming of it. Um, but yeah, I haven't been on since the Christmas special. Yeah, it's been a lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what what's your what's your advice for a good Melania impression? How would if someone else were to try and do it? You know, I to me, the key to I mean, the key to mine is a great hair and makeup team. Right. You know, <laughs> right. Um, so get and, one of in those. Paul Warren and Min Min Ma and a fabulous writers from The Colbert Show. Right. Um, but I I think of her as America, mm. you know, that we're all reluctantly married to Donald Trump. So I think the only way to make it like um, a truly enjoyable thing to watch rather than making fun of her and being cruel to her is to have her actually be one of us. And by one of right. us, I mean the right. people who feels like we're we're reluctantly married to him. Right. Yeah. And don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, how do you think of TV? You've done a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. What, how do you think of TV as fitting into your overall career? It's like, something what is the... that I'm very, very interested in. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that my next job after this is on television. Yeah. You know, I have an idea right now with um, Tommy Kale, who is the director oh, of Hamilton. Yes. And he's directing Fosse right now on FX. Yeah. Um, that I'm really excited about. It's a television idea. Um, that Com- excites comedy, me. drama? Comedy, um, yeah, comedy. Yeah, okay. um, my friend Kelly Hutchinson, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful writer, she and I have um, an idea that's like a a loving send-up of those like Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh. Um, so we're working on that. Um, so yeah, TV, I feel like, is the next thing I, I want to do. Look, theater is always going to be like my first love, my greatest love. Um, but I... I do want to be able to have more sort of agency over my own career. Mm-hmm. As I'm getting older, I it's important to me that I be able to create and produce things. And right now we're in this like golden era of television. And those things last forever. And I, I want my daughter to be able to experience that and also experience the ephemeral beauty of theater. Has she seen My Fair Lady? She's seen the first act of My Fair Lady. Wow. And she's going to see it again on Thursday on her birthday. Oh, Just yeah. the first act. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's... really sweet. She says, Mama sings Mama sings vanilla ice cream and chocolate. Because I sing lots of chocolate. Oh, yeah, you do. Me too. I'm like, yes, good call. Yeah. <laughs> Is she going to be musical? Oh, God, I think so. Yeah. I, You know, I'm sort of, I'm so torn because sometimes I feel like maybe I shouldn't bring her to all of my jobs like mm. I bring her always to Colbert I, she comes in between shows she's always at the theater last night I had a benefit concert at 54 Below right. for you know um, uh, immigrant families together and she came and 
I think, gosh, maybe I'm just like pushing it on her. But at the same time, this is what I do, and I love her. I don't want to spend time with her. So maybe someone can just get her like a chemistry set for her birthday, and then right. we'll call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Teach her how to code. Right. So now that a lot you check Eliza off your list, mm-hmm. what what's next for you? What's do you? It, what is what else is in your sort of pantheon of dream roles uh, in in the theater? Yeah, or um, not, you know, actually. I I love Sondheim so much. Mm. I would you know when I am older, I would love to do a little night music. You know, yeah. um, does right. Yeah. yeah, and then I I would love for my mom to play. Um, oh God, why am I blanking? Um, in in little night yeah, music, yeah, uh, uh, not Madame Armfeld. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that would be really cool. It would. To be able to do that. Um, so that, you know, maybe Sunday in the Park with George. Mm-hmm. That yeah. could be something fun to do at like an encores or, or I, actually they already did that. Never mind. Or maybe in D.C. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, af- after this, I'm really, unless it's something that's new, mm-hmm. you know, I would really love to do a new musical. Um, yeah, when was the last time you did one, actually? I'm just- a brand new musical, Women on the Verge. Women on the Verge. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, that was Women on the Verge. So yeah. that was, I don't know when that was, 2007? 2010. 10, oh, 10. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. I'd love to do a new musical. Mm. But until that happens, I, yeah, I'm really f- trying to focus on, like, TV, maybe even a movie. Oh, Who okay. Knows? Cool. Yeah, I just, I like to stretch my uh, my creative brain. Right. Well, we can't wait to see what's next. Thanks. Can I talk briefly about the album that I did? Yeah, do it. So um, my friend Mary Mitchell Campbell, Mm -hmm. who's an incredible um, orchestrator and um, MD, actually over at Mean Girls, she and I produced an album called um, Singing You Home, Children's Songs for Family Reunification. And all the proceeds go to um, reuniting the family separated at the border. You can buy it wherever streaming music is sold, iTunes, Amazon, or you can go on Mm -hmm. ghostlightrecords.com. It's a really amazing lineup. Lin-Manuel Miranda and Mandy Gonzalez and Audra McDonald, Adina Menzel, Josh Groban, um, Cynthia Erivo. Uh, myself, a girl named Isabella Preston, Ingrid Michelson, Ana Villafanye. Um Am I leaving anybody wow. out? No. Um, okay. So I'm really proud of it. And, yeah. you know, all proceeds go to help reunite these families, which is really, um, it's getting worse. It's not getting better. Right. Yeah. And what are the songs on the album? They are dual language Spanish songs. So actually, one of them was written by Jason Robert Brown for Audra McDonald. It's the title song, Singing You Home. And then there are like three or four traditional Spanish songs. And then Josh Groban and um, Dave Matthews wrote the song that Josh and Adina sang together called Lullaby. Yeah, that's a great thing. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. We can't wait to see what's next. Enjoy uh, the rest of your run. That was Laura Benanti, now starring in the Broadway revival of My Fair Lady through July 7th. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe wherever finer podcasts are dispensed. On the next episode of Stagecraft, I talk to musician Anais Mitchell and director Rachel Chavkin, two of the creators behind the buzzy, Broadway-bound musical Town. Until then, see you at the theater.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.